One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms wish they had a magic sword to turn them into invincible goddesses and also to fold the literal drifts of laundry accumulating around us. I'm Katie. <laughs> And I'm Deborah, And I have two kids. Jay, he is three and a half, and Kenny, he is seven months. And I have three kids. Tony is nine, and my twins, Libby and Nate, are six. They're so cute, right? They are generally so cute. <laughs> we like to tell a quick story about how awesome our kids are, because we are pop culture consumers, but we're also moms. And my cute story this episode is, so my twins are in the last leg of kindergarten, and at their school, there's two classrooms per grade, Mm -hmm. and they have been asking if they can be in the same class next year, which I think is really cute. But then I asked why, and they were like, well, we just want to hug each other whenever we can. Which is cute, but also, no, you can't be in the same class. That's not a legitimate reason. (laughs) That is so cute, though. It was cute, yeah. (laughs) That's what you want for twins, right? You want them to be best friends forever and ever. Yeah, of course, so they can be otherwise totally antisocial and it doesn't matter. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So how about Jay and Kenny? Kenny is teething. Oh, gosh. And I can confidently say that I totally forgot how much that sucks. And I recognize that, like, we lucked out because he's already seven months old, so he's pretty late to be teething for the first time. But, man, it's awful. Yeah. How do you feel about those amber necklaces? I did not know they were a thing until, like, the worst was over for Jay. Um, yeah, same with my kids. So I have no experience of them. I've heard they work wonders. I've heard it's just a cute accessory. So <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess we'll see how bad it gets. Although right now it feels like it's already gotten pretty bad. <laughs> oh, poor baby. Yeah. Poor mom. And you can't even feel any teeth nubs yet. Like he is going through the worst of it and has all the classic symptoms but it's apparently still going to be a long time before the actual teeth show up. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, so isn't that adorable? <laughs> Baby drool is adorable. <laughs> so this week for our screen time in the news section, we listened because we love podcasts <laughs> to Slate's What Next podcast, uh, the episode from March 6th titled Things That Should Scare You More Than Momo. And it was about the Momo challenge. And I saw something on my Facebook feed about the Momo challenge and I just totally ignored it. So I had to do a little digging. So okay. Momo is that scary face sculpture that purportedly is showing up like in the middle of say egg opening videos on YouTube (laughs) and telling kids to kill themselves yeah super frightening concept 
Did you know about the Momo Challenge before you picked this podcast to listen to? I had seen it in several headlines because, you know, when the baby is having bad nights, you just like reach the end of the internet. You're reading so many Mm -hmm. news stories. So I had read about it quite a bit. Um, So I was aware of it, but obviously Jay doesn't watch much YouTube and Kenny doesn't watch any YouTube. So I hadn't experienced it directly. Yeah, it was a good podcast episode. We'll link to it. It's a pretty quick listen. If you are familiar with this phenomenon, this will ease your anxiety about the Momo Challenge because it's not real. They totally debunk it. It kind of reminds me of like in the 80s, there was like a scare about satanic music and like satanic messages in popular music, Mm -hmm. which wasn't really a thing and only after the scare was out did was there actual evidence of like fake satanic messages in pop music so right this is very similar like the scare came and then internet trolls started splicing this momo sculpture into youtube videos yeah it was interesting because i feel like the podcast episode confirmed a lot of what we've been hearing and saying and experiencing about YouTube and just Mm -hmm. what a trash fire it is like as far as kids content is concerned the array of truly terrible things that children can easily stumble upon is shocking (laughs) yeah so this journalist basically said don't worry about Momo but certainly worry about YouTube. I mean, one of the things she brought up was um, like white nationalists getting radicalized by YouTube videos, which is a thing um, mm-hmm. on a, my favorite, the Daily Zeitgeist podcast. They've talked about how there's tons of anti-vaccine content on YouTube that far outweighs like legitimate scientific pro-vaccine content. And so... Yeah, YouTube is terrible. Now I'm going to prove that like I read a lot of headlines but don't read all the way to the end of articles. But didn't one of the big tech companies recently pledge to do something about the anti-vax content? Was that Facebook? I think I read that same headline. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when we read about the tech companies doing something seemingly altruistic. We just gloss over it because we assume it's full of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But did it make you think at all about YouTube and how much we cover it on the show? Like, do you think we're condoning use of YouTube where we should be just like fleeing from it? Or is it good that we are trying to kind of weed through the morass? I think it's good to cover it. We have just not discovered, but we've watched some things that are good on YouTube, like Ted Ed and Pencilmation. And I think there's a way on YouTube Kids where you can just pick channels that your kids are allowed and block everything oh. else. I haven't done that myself. Um, my And our good friend Amy A.L. Patton, who was a guest uh, when we reviewed the Dave Pilkey Planet app, um, she told me that she just had like a sit-down family discussion with her kids about YouTube, and they're just not going to watch people playing video games on YouTube anymore. Do you think that you could make that unilateral decision in your house or would there be a rebellion? I tried with Nate to talk him out of some Mario videos and I found 
on one of the streaming services, like the old from the 90s Mario cartoon, and he was not into it. <laughs> well, let's be honest. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm, work- I'm working towards that goal. Her kids are older than ours and just more reasonable people, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Although with the current reboot culture, it's got to be only a matter of time before we get a new Mario series, right? You would think. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, give it a month or so. I'm sure Netflix has it in development. And we'll keep trying to find good content on YouTube. Yes, that will be our goal. We will we'll sort through it all so you don't have to. <laughs> Some general news. Our next episode will be a face-to-face episode, and we are so excited. I call these pink wine podcasts because we drink when we're together, and we don't usually drink (laughs) when we're recording because it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I read this article about how, based on the success of the interactive Black Mirror episode Bandersnatch, Netflix is really putting the pedal to the metal on interactive content production. And I thought it was interesting that Bandersnatch was the thing to really catch fire when long before that, I mean, it feels like forever, but at least six months before that, we had watched Stretch Armstrong and thought it was a really great concept and wondered when they were going to be coming out with more. So it seems like maybe the kids content angle wasn't enough to push them over the edge with interactivity. Right. I was thinking about it. I thought, do you think maybe it's because kids have a hard time figuring out how to make those selections on a TV remote, which isn't necessarily as intuitive as like a iPad or a Kindle or whatever. I remember those transitions were fast. Mm -hmm. Like you had to make a quick decision. I honestly think it's because kids television isn't really covered very much yeah like in the media the way that adult television is well regardless of why they're doing it I'm excited to see more interactive content speaking of Netflix they are responsible for our topic of today's show we returned to the reboot well because we just can't stay away and watched Netflix's new She-Ra and the Princesses of Power (laughs) this is a new show released on Netflix produced by DreamWorks Um, It is a reimagining of the 1985 cartoon She-Ra, Princess of Power. For those of you who may not have been around back then, it was an offshoot of the He-Man cartoon. The original She-Ra was actually He-Man's twin sister. It only ran for two years, but there are almost 100 episodes because for the first season it aired daily. I kind of forgot that like daily cartoons were a thing. Right. That's a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So I looked a little bit into this reboot and the creator of the new series, whose name is Noelle Stevenson, is only 27 years old, which made me feel super old as it does whenever I read about successful people who are younger than me. But she wasn't even alive when the original show was on. (laughs) How did she come across it? I wonder. I don't know. I mean, I guess like maybe DreamWorks was... DreamWorks or Netflix were shopping around the idea and like they hired her to fit the project rather than her coming up with the project. 
Okay. Because she was interested. I don't know. That's just speculation on my part. Anyway, plot wise, She-Ra basically is the story of Adora, who was raised to be a soldier of the evil horde. She discovers, with the help of a magic sword, that she's actually Princess She-Ra, and she vows to help the rebellion defeat the horde and save their planet slash country, jury's out on that, called Etheria. So the rebellion is peopled by the princesses of power that are in the title. So why did we pick it? Uh, pretty much we can't resist revisiting products from our childhood. It's just catnip to us, I guess. We watched the first three episodes uh, because it's a pretty serialized show. Episode one, The Sword Part One. Episode two, The Sword Part Two. Episode three, Raz. We will start by going through the episodes one by one, or maybe we'll do the first two all in one big chunk. Let's see. And then we'll move on to our more general thoughts. Deborah? So in the sword part one, we see Adora, and we also meet her cohort member, Katra, and they're senior cadets for the Horde, and they're working on this very complicated like training exercise, which Adora excels at. So her boss, Shadow Weaver, gives Adora a real mission, and she ends up going into the whispering woods and finding a sword and when she touches it she gets like this glimpse of herself as a princess in like this other world and then she runs into or is found by uh, commander glimmer and her sidekick beau and adora realizes that the horde that she's been training with is actually evil and um, she and Glimmer and Bo don't quite get along, but they take – i it's getting confused about what, what happened in the second one. Yeah, that's why um, maybe we can just do it all at once. Let's treat it as one, one big episode. Um, so then they take her to this – like a ruin that was made by the original settlers of Etheria. Mm-hmm. And apparently the original settlers left behind a lot of ruins and a lot of technology. And they trigger a lockdown that's kind of like an Indiana Jones style. Yeah. Like <laughs> like this crumbling structure starts shutting down. Um, Glimmer has like teleportation powers. So she gets them out of there, but then she like runs on a battery or something. <laughs> and she has to recharge, but she's really low on power. So they have to get her back to, where is it that she lives called? Oh, let's see. The planet or the country is called Etheria, but I feel like the name of their city starts with an E as well. She lives in like a palace and her mother, Light Hope, is like a queen. Mm -hmm. And then also, I guess plot wise in episode two, Adora sees the horde destroying a village, so she really comes to terms with the fact that the people who raised her are actually evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she confronts Katra, who tries to drag her back to the horde, but uh, she ultimately decides to leave and join the rebellion with Glimmer and Bo. Mm-hmm. And there's also a funny part where she's she's trying to use the sword to transform into Shira, like. She was able to in the Whispering Woods. 
and she just can't figure it out. She turns this horse that she's encountered into like a magnificent rainbow sparkly unicorn with wings. <laughs> um, and then at the very end, she's able to transform into She-Ra. So what did you think of the first two episodes of She-Ra, Princesses of Power? I really liked it. I yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought the characters were fun and relatable. I liked the animation. I thought that the story was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's always compelling when somebody has to confront their past, <laughs> especially if they didn't know they were evil to begin with. <laughs> and it has a very good, like, hero goes on a quest. Yeah, classic. Yeah, storyline to it. What did you think? Did you find it confusing at first? I felt like there was so much exposition up front. And I wondered if like I was supposed to remember all of these intricacies from the original Shira, which I did not remember at all. Um, it just felt like there was a lot of information and a lot of terminology being thrown around that I didn't understand. And I'm not sure it did a great job of making me feel comfortable from the outset. Yeah, that's why I kind of fumbled through my plot summary. <laughs> I took like a lot of notes because it felt like there was a lot to keep track of. Yeah. Did you uh, make an immediate comparison in this first episode to Carmen San Diego? I felt like the setups were really similar in that they were both raised as orphans by an organization that they grew to love but realize later that was actually evil absolutely it was very similar to the beginning of Carmen Sandiego I really liked right off the bat the character of Bo because they introduce him outside of Glimmer's window like trying to whisper to get her attention but he doesn't understand that he has to be quiet And it kind of reminded me a little bit of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, how they did it. They really, they made the boys the dumb characters. Totally. And he had a funny line, I think when he was introduced to Adora and he was like, I'm like the only one who's not a princess. (laughs) And it's true. He appears to be. We do not see any other dudes, do we? No, not in Etheria. I'm not really sure how I feel about heroines who aren't responsible for their powers. Like, it's ju- it just comes from magic. I feel like I might respect Adora more if she worked for it. Do you have any of those conflicting feelings? I feel like she might get a better handle on it. I think she has to get a better handle on it as the series progresses mm-hmm. because I'm sure things will get more serious. And pretty soon she'll have figured out that special secret button on the sword that turns her into Shira. I mean, it's kind of a coming of age thing. Like special powers are like kind of a stand in for maybe growing up. Oh, so we're seeing her at the beginning of the process and she's going to work to become all the Shira she can be. She's like not yet a girl, not quite a woman. Ah, now you're speaking my (laughs) language. (laughs) (laughs) I also really thought that the character catcher was very intriguing Mm -hmm. again with the comparisons with Carmen Sandiego though you have like good friends that choose to stay with the evil empire because it's all they know Mm -hmm. do you want to move on to episode three 
So in this one, we it starts with the actual theme song, which is very catchy, poppy, because um, the other two episodes just kind of fall right into the story. And Adora is in the Whispering Woods again. She runs into this like troll-like hobbity woman named Madame Raz, who seems to recognize Adora, but is calling her by a different name. And... Um, Adora insists that she doesn't know her, but Madame Raz is like very encouraging and kind of tells her to trust her powers, trust the sword. And so in this one, Adora is like finding out more about her own backstory and Mm -hmm. maybe how she came to the horde as an infant, I guess, Mm -hmm. and why she's really a princess, but maybe that was kept from her. Raz, it appears is not really a mentor because she's crazy but like she clearly has a sense of how this process is supposed to work out or like who Shira is she really reminded me of a studio Ghibli is that how you pronounce it character um like did you see Howl's Moving Castle or Spirited Away no my neighbor Totoro oh my gosh your kids might love these (laughs) movies they are really beautiful sort of lush anime films okay I don't know just the way they draw dumpy old ladies looks very much like Madame Raz (laughs) okay (laughs) uh what did you think of this episode I think this is the one where actually she turns the horse into a flying rainbow unicorn Uh, okay sorry about that and I remember Madame Raz kind of chastises Adora for calling him horsey originally and was like he doesn't like that name. Yeah, that was pretty dumb. Do you think <laughs> if you came upon a horse in the woods and uh, that horse was, you know, doing you favors and being friendly, like that's the first word that would, that's the first name that would come to mind? I think I would call him Buddy, which is also kind of a lame horse name. Yeah, but better than horsey. Yeah, I liked how this episode deepened the mythology of the story and I liked Madame Raz as a character. Did you watch She-Ra or He-Man when you were a kid? I know I watched He-Man. I feel like I must have watched She-Ra. Really the only enduring memory I have is that my older sister had a She-Ra sword. Oh. Like a plastic toy sword and I coveted it so hard. I wanted <laughs> that sword more than anything. So that is like my number one She-Ra memory. How about you? I totally watched it. I definitely watched a lot of He-Man. I went to uh, like an in-home babysitter daycare after mm-hmm. school when I was a kid and they had in, as like one of the toys was like a big gray skull. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, those big plasticky scene type toys, they had that. And I remember I loved playing with it. I loved like singing the songs, like the theme songs. And we would play like me and the other kids from this in-home daycare would like play He-Man and She-Ra in the backyard. So I have very fond memories of all of my 
fantasy and imagination around these shows. I don't really remember the actual show, though. <laughs> they were very much a big part of my childhood, but I think it was like we would watch it and then we would go play, like role play it, and mm-hmm. that was a bigger part. So when she was transforming into She-Ra, like that really brought back what it felt like to me as a kid to imagine turning into uh, She-Ra, like those wristbands and like the hair growing and everything. It was, it was very nostalgic for me. How did you feel like the new version stacked up? I thought it was great. Um, I didn't look to see if there was any uh, vintage She-Ra content on YouTube or anywhere else because I kind of want like those memories just preserved without the you know because whenever you look up something that you loved as a kid it's often disappointing oh yeah 100% of the time I'm comfortable saying so I really liked it I thought it visually um looked like my memory of the show because it's um more of a traditional animation style it's not too CGI smooth looking like it looks drawn mm-hmm. not sure if it really is but it it felt very authentically Shira to me mm-hmm. I not having any memories of the original show except for the fact that I think I probably watched it I really liked the depth of mythology that was in place uh, as a nerdy kid I could totally get behind that what did you think about the characters themselves I thought they were good. I I want to see female characters in like strong positions of power. Like I like um, the fact that the new Marvel hero is a woman. I think mm-hmm. the Wonder Ma- Wonder Woman movie was great, um, but I don't actually want to watch like just action. Yeah. But I felt like this was a good like she's kind of a superhero with superpowers. But then there's also like the kind of chick flick type girly, I, for lack of a better word, girly stuff in the plot, like the like Commander Glimmer and Light Hope the Queen. Like they have this like classic teenage girl, mom, back and forth argument. Um, she like sits down and writes in a journal <laughs> about how her mom is driving her crazy. Um, and I thought it was like relatable to me like that's more the kind of stuff I actually want to watch but Mm -hmm. I don't want to watch a female character who's like saved by saved by a man right and that's the one thing I will say about the action in the show it just dragged to me and I don't know if I just have been seeing too many fight sequences in in the same way that like I declared myself sick of chase sequences a couple episodes Mm -hmm. ago but the fight scenes did seem a little overlong. I've asked this before, and I will continue to ask it. Why are the cat-based characters always evil? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, do you think it goes back to like ancient Egypt when cats were kind of revered? But then why would they be evil? I don't know. I mean, pretty much the only cats that aren't evil are lions. According to pop culture, right? I think that's right. Yeah, Catra, I thought, 
evil or not, I thought she would make a really good Halloween costume. Yeah, because she kind of looked like a member of the cast of Cats, didn't she? <laughs> like, it's a Definitely. very 80s, very 80s outfit with, like, the sort of punky spiked hair and yeah, uh, the leotard look. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But she did make me think of the cat character from Carmen Sandiego and also the evil cats from Bolt. And it just made me angry and offended as a cat person. Please give us a cat hero. And Cheetah in the like superhero girls universe is also evil, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess we have Daniel Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the super girly rainbow, again, 80s aesthetic? Did you think that meshed with the desire to show a strong female-led universe? Like, all the pink and the rainbows and the glitter? Yeah, I'm not sure if that was just more an homage to the 80s, like Lisa Frank Mm -hmm. aesthetic. Um, And it... Reminded me a lot of the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Mm -hmm. world. I mean, the message that, like, you can like pink things and glittery things and you can be super girly, but you can also be a badass superhero with a magic sword. I can't decide if I like it. I feel like we've talked about this before. We were so raised. Like, we were the height of the princess culture is horrible for girls right wave so it's hard to let go of that because I feel like we're in a new space where we're trying to say it's okay to be all the things right do you think that hating on princess culture and hating on like pink and girly things is underneath everything is like really misogynist Because I feel like the message that we were given is like, you don't need to be a princess. You can be a strong woman and you shouldn't, as if you're not doing any of these feminine things, then you're better than people who fall into that like feminine girly trap. And I think that that's a kind of a dangerous message because I feel like it is okay to dress feminine Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're less of a serious person I like that I like that a lot all right in that case I guess I'll get behind the pegasus with rainbow wings and (laughs) the weird swoopy pink haircut that glimmer has (laughs) speaking of which what did you think about the animation style really liked it um like I said it felt very authentic and like a a nod to what the original looked like. What did you think? Well, you already said that you didn't watch a lot of anime. So I saw a lot right. of those ties in it. I already mentioned Studio Ghibli. I am sorry if I'm butchering that pronunciation. It's one of those words that I only ever read and never say. <laughs> it just emphasizes the fact that the 80s are alive and well in today's popular culture like it's it looks very 80s the thing that I did love about it was that it has made room for more body types glimmer oh like commander glimmer she was 
Yeah, she was super cute and like more heavy set than your regular cartoon princess. Yeah, her costume is like a uh, unitard rather, and she has like you can say she has really strong big thighs. Like she's not your stereotypical princess looking character and I feel like that was even a little bit the case with Adora you could see she had kind of wide shoulders that were almost mannish at times and then Bo the male character was you know very lithe and slim and not traditionally masculine or strong looking at all and I I really liked that different visual take on the characters. I did Google some images of the original Glimmer and Bo, and <laughs> Glimmer was originally, you know, your traditional super skinny princess. And uh-huh. Bo was originally this like hulked out redheaded guy with a super big stash. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they did They did change, uh, they may not have changed the 80s aesthetic, but they did change the look of the main characters, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, like if these drawings were brought to life, they would be proportional. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't like fall over <laughs> like a Barbie would. Yeah, like we said, Catra could totally just step off the screen and into the cast of Cats. <laughs> They're making a live action Cats, aren't they? Oh my gosh, I'm there for it. Ugh, I don't know. I don't, there's no plot, Deborah. There's no plot. <laughs> oh, the music is so good. <laughs> what do you think it compares to for adult movies or TV shows? All right, just thinking about the huge content dump at the beginning. You know, this isn't even an adult movie or TV show, but I do not know a single kid that likes it. But uh, it made me think of John Carter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As one of the few people who actually liked that movie, it does suffer from a huge amount of exposition up front that you just kind of have to get through and buy into to enjoy the rest of the show. And I feel like the situation was similar here. Like, you just have to let it wash over you, accept (laughs) the fact that you have to learn all this stuff about Etheria and hordes and princesses. And then you can move forward and enjoy yourself. How about you? I, this is, I have not even watched this show, but I thought about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt because it's like what happens when you get out of a cult Mm -hmm. or a captivity and discover this whole world. Um, So I thought about that in relation to Adora, like, breaking free from the horde and finding out that the people she's supposed to fight are actually the good ones and she was the evil one I love Um, that I love that like just confronting a totally different like the world is totally different than you thought it was I like that yeah and then this isn't quite an adult show either but I really thought that the characters um had a lot of parallels with the main characters on my so-called life have we ever talked about my so-called life? I'm sure Did it's come it? up, but but give me more. Okay, well, that is like one of the major touchstones of my adolescence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought that Adora was like Angela Chase, and Catra was like a Rayanne character. Mm-hmm. Good friend, not a good influence. Yeah. 
Bo was very much a Ricky. Uh-huh. And then Glimmer was kind of a Brian. Are you sure she wasn't a Sharon? Because wasn't Sharon the, like, good oh, influence friend? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm She's behind Sharon. you on this. Okay. <laughs> so they were really successful in bringing forward that sort of traditional teenage uh, dynamic. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like wasn't a part at all of the original show. Shiro was much more a fully formed woman, right? I believe so. That's how it was in my memory. But yeah. like I said, I don't want to spoil those. Yeah, no, <laughs> those I'm chi- childhood impressions. I do not encourage you to go back and seek it out because if it's anything <laughs> like how I found those old Encyclopedia Brown episodes when we did the, uh... yeah. Gosh, I don't remember what show it was that we were covering. I don't recommend revisiting those things. <laughs> <laughs> Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? Well, maybe this is too much uh, body typecasting, but I thought Lena Dunham could play a good glimmer. I thought, do you know who Aquafina is? Do I know who Aquafina is? <laughs> Only the best part of Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, she hosted Saturday Night Live like earlier this year, and she was so funny and very good. I think she would be a great Shira. Little comic element to that. Uh-huh. Um, we need more John Cho, so I would <laughs> cast him as Bo, even though he's like way too old and way too smart in everything he says. Like, can you see him playing a dumb guy? He's a good actor. I mean, <laughs> Harold and Kumar. That's true. so that's as far as I got how about you okay so I thought that we could do like She-Ra in modern America like she's just turning into She-Ra to deal with like pretty general modern American problems okay (laughs) so everyone around is like what this is okay (laughs) (laughs) so I thought do you know who Michaela Cole is uh, no. She has this show on Netflix called Chewing Gum, and she plays, like, a very sheltered character who, like, suddenly decides she's going to break free from all that and go crazy. So I thought she would be a good She-Ra because, like, okay. like you chose Aquafina. She's also very funny in that role, so... I okay. always I always want the comic element. I thought we could cast any man-child from any CW show as Bo. Right? I, too, thought we needed more John Cho, but I, I wanted to give him the baddie part, so I thought we could have John Cho as Hordak, the leader of the Horde. Ooh, I like that. All the names in the show are super on the nose. And then Emmy Rossum just left Shameless. Like, she decided to move on to other things, so she needs a new gig. So I thought she would make a good Catra, because she's, again, kind of got the body type for it. Mm-hmm. I would like to see Alex Kingston as Raz. I know she's way too young to be playing, like, the granny character, but I just think she can do, like, frazzled and crazy really well. Sure, yeah. And then, again, with a show ending and an actor maybe being at loose ends for a new project, I thought we could cast Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones as Glimmer. Wow. That's a good good casting job. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is a big question for you. Was it better when we were kids? Does the nostalgia really tip the old version for you? I really, really liked this show. I thought it was great. Um, It definitely lived up to like what Shira was in my mind as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if I ever go back and like look at those pictures and watch clips, this will be better. I was thinking about the fact that Noelle Stevenson is only 27 years old and she was not alive when Shira was first produced. And I was wondering if that actually helped when it came to a reboot because she wasn't tethered to any of those feelings of nostalgia. So she could kind of take the concept and make something that was an homage, but still totally new. And it made me want to go back and look at the creators or the prominent creative voices involved in a lot of other reboots and see if that might be the case in more than one instance. And not being able to base this on anything, I would guess that the farther the creators and the creative voices are away from the original property, maybe the better the reboot turns out. That's a good theory. That's, I think that's probably right. But I like what you were saying about it being as good as when we were kids. Like, it could give another girl a reason to run outside and play She-Ra in much the same way that you did when you were a kid. So would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No, no, probably not. I'm interested, but not that interested. I'm not going to watch it alone um, because there's so much other stuff that I want to (laughs) watch that I never get to. But I really, really want to watch this with Libby. Mm -hmm. And I think my boys would like it too, but I think Libby would really get into it. Yeah. I actually watched an episode, maybe two episodes with Jay. Everyone's been sick or like there have been reasons that we haven't been able to go outside lately. And he was into it. Cool. Should we segue to whether this is good for our kids? It's definitely better than YouTube videos. (laughs) Um, My only complaint was that there was a lot of fighting. Yeah, it is a little on the violent end. And I guess I wonder, too, like how much that big exposition dump up front. Did you ever read the Sunday comics when you were a little kid? Yes. Okay. So are you familiar with the comic strip? I think it's called Prince Valiant. No. Prince something. It's a really long running strip that I always skipped. Because it was serialized and like every strip was like a different part of this adventure. And I obviously didn't start reading it from the beginning. So the strips were always really boring and the progress was the progress was really incremental. And I wonder if there's a possibility that kids would feel the same thing about this show. It's totally possible. Yeah. But then again, it's Netflix, so they're never going to, like, stumble upon episode four and be like, well, I guess I'll just start watching here. Right. So maybe that's nothing to worry about. Again, I'm an old person. Ratings? (laughs) Five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, for me, 4.5 only because of the fighting. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a new website, 
myscreentime2.com. And you can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. We'll also post what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along before you listen to our podcast. <laughs> Tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at, at myscreentime2 or email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.